0: Let me ask you a few questions as we get started here. Uh, you'll see them on the screen. Are you spiritually stuck? Are you tired of the spiritual status quo? Wanting to know God, what really wanting to know what God really wants from you? Longing to break free from some habitual sin? Desiring to grow spiritually? Needing a clearer pathway to spiritual maturity? Discipling? Other believers. Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, the series is for you. This is a spiritual growth campaign. We do this once a year at Springbrook, when we all are we all are studying the same thing. I and mean, weekend services, and our small groups, and our youth and ministry. Uh, where we're focusing on a biblical theme, and we find that when we do that, we experience accelerated spiritual growth. And this year we're talking about this particular topic, R12, Dare to Experience True Spirituality According to Jesus. Now, spirituality is a hot topic these days. People are very open to talking about their spiritual lives. This is a good thing because it gives us an opportunity to tell them about the gospel. At the same time, it can be a very dangerous thing because a lot of people... Are talking about things that are not true to God's Word New Testament writers call them false teachers people who teach a different gospel and the most popular false teacher here in the United States is Oprah Winfrey Uh, I've enjoyed Oprah throughout the years but she really has taken a left turn in the last several years propagating a new age type of philosophy And she has her own network now. It started last month and more opportunities to get her word out. And uh, I bring her up again because she's such a beloved person. She's helped so many people through her different shows. But now she's giving terrible advice. She's teaching them a false gospel. And we need to pray that people would not be impacted by her. I was glad that her ratings were going down recently as I looked on the net and her network's not doing well we need to pray that it will not do well because friends uh, she's leading people away from jesus christ this is where the gospel is found this is what we base our beliefs upon in fact she was asked recently what is spirituality and she said an open heart what does that mean well this is what true spirituality according to jesus this is where it's found we want to fully engage in this campaign together of growth. Uh, How do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to attend the service weekly. Snow or shine. Busy weekend or not busy weekend. Feel like it or don't feel like it. Make a commitment to be with us as we explore God's truth together. The next thing I encourage you to do, I just really challenge you to do, is to buy this book. This is Chip Ingram's book. Uh, It's called Living on the Edge. It goes along with our series, and I've been reading it, and I have personally uh, benefited uh, from his teaching and uh, the spirit working through that. It's only a $15 book, buy one for the family, and it's a great devotional to read throughout this series, very simple chapters, and also, I want to encourage you to be involved in a small group. Again, that's a way to really feel a part of the family, and a really a great way to experience this series talk about it with other people. So join a small group today if you haven't done it. I think 32 new people have taken that step, and we encourage you to do that as well. Then finally, check out our 12 online. This is in your message notes, this website. But again, there's a lot of resources there that are going to help you to walk through this. And I just really encourage you to totally immerse yourself in this campaign. The weekend services and small groups and the book and the online and all that kind of thing, and I think you're really going to enjoy uh, growing in your relationship uh, with God. Well, now you might be saying, wait wait a second, Dan. what does R12 mean anyway? Well, it stands for Romans 12, from the book that Paul wrote, or the letter that Paul wrote to the people at Rome, the church there, and Romans is a deep theological book especially the first 11 chapters. And we're going to focus on chapter 12, which lays out a beautiful framework for how to live an authentic spiritual life, a life focused around Jesus Christ. In fact, let's look at Romans chapter 12, uh, the series that we're going to be going through here, uh, giving God what he wants the most, your relationship with God, that's verse 1, getting The very best from God, your relationship to this world's values. That'll be next week, verse 2. Coming to grips with the real you, your relationship with yourself, verses 3 through 8. Experiencing authentic community, your relationship with believers, verses 9 through 13. Overcoming the evil aimed at you, your relationship with unbelievers, verses 14 through 21. I would encourage you to read through Romans 12 every week. Just make it a part of your first 10, your time alone with God, and really get to know this chapter as we study it together. Well, the key word we want to look at today is surrender, surrender. And when we think about surrender, we think of a recent person who was uh, the head of a country that surrendered. We have Hosni Mubarak here. And 18 days ago, a revolution started, and people of Egypt went to the streets, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, asking for him to step down. And you see the people here in the streets. Uh, there were many different ways that Hosni Mubarak tried to reposition himself to try to stay in office until finally he needed to step down. And uh, we think about that as surrender. And sometimes that doesn't have a lot of positive connotations for us. Surrender giving up, giving in, self-denial, sacrifice, those types of things, that's not very attractive to us. But friends, when we talk about surrendering to God, that's one of the most beautiful things that we can do as we're going to unpack today. Let's look at our key verse that we're studying, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We read there, "...therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy..." To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, this verse sums up what I call the Lordship decision. The Lordship decision. Saying, okay, Lord, you're in control of every area of my life. I submit to you in every way. That's what it means to make Jesus Christ our Lord. But there's a prerequisite to the Lordship decision. You can't make the Lordship decision until you've made the salvation decision. I want to back up here because throughout this series we're going to be talking about the Lordship decision. I want to make sure we're all on the same page in understanding what the salvation decision is, the first decision you need to make. And really that's what Romans chapter 1 verse 11 is all about. Now we don't have time to study all of it, so we're just going to do a real brief summary. And I'm going to present to you what is called the Roman's Road. I may have heard of the Roman's Road before. Yeah, it's a great evangelistic tool to tell people about the gospel. So let's step through these five verses. They're found in your message notes in the program and memorize these passages. And you can share with anybody at any time from the Word of God what it means when we talk about the gospel. So the first verse is Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where we start out. We're all sinners. We're sinners from the point of conception. We were born with a sinful nature, and we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of His expectation of us. Sometimes people have gotten the idea that You know we do a lot of good works in our life but we just can't quite reach a standard it's kind of like a race where people start out in the race and some people get really far because they're so good but they never quite make the finish line they never measure up to who god is and what he wants from them Uh, and there's some people that just get out of the starting gate and fall after you know 100 feet that's not the idea at all here the idea here is that we're all at the starting gate and the official comes by before you even start racing, and say, you're all disqualified. There's no reason to race. There's no reason to do good works because you've already been condemned. All of you have lost the race. You see, friends, nothing that we do in this life makes any impact upon God in regards to Him saving us. Good works do not lead us to God. They do not earn a relationship with God. We are sinners. We have a real problem. So we go to the second verse out of the five verses in the Romans wrote. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wage is what you deserve. You get a wage for your work. But the wages of our sin, the wages of our sin problem is death. Just not physical death, but spiritual death. Eternal death separation from Jesus Christ in hell. That's what we all deserve. That's what everyone deserves. We are condemned, and that's a real problem, isn't it? Well, the good news is that God has given us a way out of that particular type of future. We go to the third verse here, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even before we were born, Jesus Christ gave us a way to the Father. Even in our sinful condition, He died for us. The way God solved this problem is He took His Son, Jesus Christ, God Himself, sent Him to earth. He was fully man, fully God, lived a perfect life, a righteous life in order that He might be a representative of man, but at the same time God, and therefore He was perfect. Therefore, He could be our substitute because He was like us, but He was perfect. So God could punish Him, Jesus Christ, for our sins because He was not sinful. He didn't deserve a penalty. But Jesus Christ took that penalty, and He sacrificed His life for us. He was our substitute, and that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus Christ took our punishment for us in order that we might not have to experience it. So we go to the next verse along the Romans road, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not enough to know that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. It's not enough to know that He wants to give you eternal life. You have to accept it. You have to engage and say, that's what I want, God. I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't work my way to heaven. I know that you died for my sin and paid the penalty. And now I'm going to repent of my sin and I'm going to turn toward you and accept this incredible free gift of forgiveness. I'm going to proclaim that you are my Lord and I believe in my heart that you have done what I need in order to have a relationship with God. That's a decision you need to make. That's a salvation decision that we're talking about at this moment. So my question to all of you is, have you made that decision in your life? And I just want to qualify this as I always do. So many people say, yeah, I've made that decision, but I'm also trusting in my good works. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, well, I'm here because I've been a pretty good good person. No, 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 no. You misunderstand If you're still trusting in your good works in any way to get you to heaven, you have not yet made the decision. The decision is made with empty hands, saying, God, I can't do anything in order to become a Christ follower. And maybe this is new for you today. And I hope that you respond to it today. Or maybe this is new to you today and say, wow, this is something I have to think about. Well, that's okay, but don't wait too long to make the decision. Or maybe you're here today and... In the last half year or whatever you've made this decision you know you've made the decision but you really never solidified it by saying a prayer or or, you know telling somebody about it maybe this is a good day to say okay I I've been thinking along these lines and and now I'm just going to solidify the decision so here's the prayer is just a prayer that I put together there's a lot of different ways to state what it means to believe in Jesus Christ, but Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life make me the kind of person you want me to be now if you say god's leading me to that decision i've never done that before i've always been trusting in my good works today is a day that you can become a believer today is a day when jesus christ can transform your life if you understand what we've talked about and you're putting your faith solely in what christ has done for you so we're just going to take a moment here And again, you don't have to do this again. If you've made this decision once, you don't have to do it again. But pray with me if you feel so led silently. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Well, I just rejoice with you if you've made that particular decision. In fact, here are some next steps. If you made that decision today, it's so important for you to let us know. It just frustrates me to no end when people don't tell me that they've made that decision. Because as soon as you make that decision, we want to come alongside you and we want to encourage you and pray for you and do whatever we can. The first thing we can do is send you a packet of some information that can help you grow in your relationship uh, with God. So you'll see on your communication slip. In fact, everybody could uh, tear that off. Everybody could take that out. Everybody grab your program. Wake up the person next to you. He's asking you to do something. (laughs) All right. Tear it off, okay? I turned in my communication slip today, okay? You know why? Because it's important. You need to communicate with us what's going on in your life, your prayer requests and things of that nature. I'm the last person who needs to fill out a communication slip. Everybody knows I'm here. But I did it, and I'll continue to do it to encourage you guys to communicate with us and we with you in regards to how we can serve you better. But this next step point is the most important part, I think, of the communication card. Uh, because we're going to continue to ask uh, ask you, that is, to take next steps. So, if you became a Christian today, Circle A, under your name there, uh, the welcome slip, Circle A. Now, it could be that you made this decision two months ago in a small group, or three months ago in a service, or four months ago in your bedroom when you were reading your Bible. Well, that's great, but we want to know about it so we can again encourage you. So, Circle B if you're saying, I'm declaring my faith for the first time, I'm telling somebody about it. Specifically, I'm telling the leadership at Springbrook. Maybe you've told other friends, but we want to know about it so we can celebrate it with you and encourage you. And C, I'm interested in baptism. We, we want you to be baptized as quickly as possible after you become a Christ follower. And we're having a baptism on March 13th. Pastor uh, Rich is leading a baptism class next week. So circle that, and we'll contact you with information about how you can take that next step, or at least get your questions answered. That's such an important step. Baptism does not save you. I just need to say that over and over again. (laughs) Baptism does not save you, but it's an important step of obedience to tell others about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. All right. Well, let's get back to the Lordship decision. Now, everybody's on the same page. We know what it means to be saved, to have that salvation decision completed. But now we're going to talk about lordship throughout the rest of this series. There's a couple different ways we can look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's look at it this way. The command is first found in offering your body. Now, you've given your soul to God, if you're a Christ follower. Now it's talking about offering your body. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is the verse we're focusing on. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, therefore, what is he saying? Well, based on what I've already shared with you, Romans 1 through 11, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's spelled out there. I would encourage you to read that as well as the next step, uh, to sit down and read verses, excuse me, chapters 1 uh, through 11. He says, therefore, based on everything I've said to you about Jesus Christ and and how you can have a new relationship with him, I urge you, it's the idea of tenderly begging someone, somebody you love. Think about that. Somebody you care so much about. And if you knew they took this one step, it would revolutionize their lives. That's what Paul's doing to the people at Rome. He's saying, please, please do this. I love you. Do this. Do this. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the key phrase in this whole passage, or this verse, that is. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the Lordship decision. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, (laughs) there are some really strange verses in the Bible, aren't they? (laughs) You look at a verse and you say, what? What does that mean? A living sacrifice? What do I do to be a living sacrifice? Well, of course, we have to go back to the Old Testament and the sacrificial system and realize that the Israelites regularly brought all types of offerings and sacrifices like lambs and turtle doves, and they were sacrificed before the Lord. And the whole idea there was to cover over their sin until the ultimate sacrifice was made in jesus christ a whole sacrificial system in the old testament pointed to the time when jesus christ the true sacrifice would come the lamb who was worthy and give his life so that's why we don't have to make any sacrifices anymore because jesus has completed the work but we still need to be living sacrifices those were dead sacrifices dead lambs dead turtles We are living sacrifices. We need to give our lives over to God. We need to say, God, you are my Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to follow you in every area of my life. I'm going to submit to you. My life is yours. Do whatever you want. That is the Lordship decision that everyone who's a Christ follower, who's made the salvation decision, needs to make at some point in their life. I believe it's a one-time decision. I made this decision, I think, back when I was in high school. And I really just said, God, I am all yours. When a person first comes to Christ, there, there's so many things they're learning and growing with. I think it takes time to mature to the point where they say, hey, I've got to give my whole life to God. So many of you have made a lordship decision sometime in the past in your life. It's kind of like getting married. You make it once, and then you continue to renew it every day. For those of us who are married, we made that decision five years ago, 10 years ago, five, 15, 20 years ago. But every day, we renew that decision of being committed to Jesus Christ as our Lord. And I, I made that decision a long time ago, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> All right? Uh, Every day I'm making decisions about the fact, am I going to make Jesus Christ Lord in this area of my life? Am I going to use my body? God has my soul, but am I going to use the instruments of my body to glorify Him? We see this in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's a salvation decision, right? And offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. So when you make the Lordship decision, every day you're saying, okay, I want to use my whole body to glorify god so you think of your ears your ears those are instruments of either wickedness or righteousness so maybe you're listening to some raunchy music on your ipod music that really doesn't glorify god that doesn't fill you with thoughts that are pleasing to god well you need to stop that and confess that sin and start listening to music that brings pleasure to god or possibly your mouth that's an instrument of righteousness right Maybe there are times when you indulge in gossip, talking about other people, tearing them down, telling other people how lousy that other person is and what they've done to you and those type of things. That is wickedness, using an instrument of your body, your mouth, in a wicked way. So you need, again, to the power of Jesus, to turn that around and to use your mouth for righteousness. By encouraging other people, by giving counsel to other people, by praying for people. Let's say your eyes, that's another instrument of the body. Are you using your eyes to lust, to look at pornography, to watch questionable movies? That's wickedness. Or are you using your eyes in order to read God's Word? Read other books that encourage you in your, your spiritual life. To look at another person and show love and concern through your eyes. That's a godly way to use your eyes. So every day you're making decisions about whether you're going to use the instruments of your body for God's glory or for wickedness. Wickedness or righteousness. And again, we need to continue to ask God to empower us through his spirit in order to to glorify Him through our bodies. Let's go back to Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. That's a lordship decision. In fact, in the original language, it speaks of a decision, not a continuous decision, but one decision. So you make the lordship decision and say, God, by your power, I am going to every day seek to make you lord of my life in every area of my life. And I know it's going to be a process and I'm going to struggle and I'm going to depend upon your power and I am going to seek to use my whole body for you. I I give my whole body to you. My mind, uh, my ears, my mouth, my uh, eyes to you in order to glorify you. As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Holy means set apart, different from this world. We're going to talk about this next week what a terrible place this world is because it's dominated by Satan and sin and how we need to stand apart. We need to be set apart if Jesus Christ is our Lord and our behavior. And, And God loves to look down on us. It pleases Him incredibly when we're doing godly things, when we're caring for our neighbor, when we're helping the needy, when we're encouraging someone when we're telling someone about the good news. And it goes on and on. Don't you love it when you see your children doing the right thing without them having to ask them to do that? <laughs> they take, it's like they thought it up. Wow, that is so cool to see your kids, no matter what age they might be, either three or 33, making godly choices. It fills your heart with joy, saying, wow, God is working through them. Well, that's exactly what God feels when He looks down on us and seeing us getting it, seeing us pursue Him and love Him and love Him and love other people and all the different ways that's manifested. So again, we need to offer our bodies to God. The challenge that we have in doing this, we've talked about this many times, is that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He needs to be the number one priority in our lives. But so easily, we put other things in that place. And Abraham was someone who did that. Abraham in the Old Testament, he and Sarah were promised a son. A son that would begin this wonderful nation called Israel. But they were really old. He was like 50. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, He was was like 80, (laughs) somewhere up in that range and so the idea of them having a baby I don't think it was going to happen but God did a miracle and Isaac finally came into the world and from the, the scriptures it seems that possibly Abraham had made Isaac an idol in his life he was worshiping Isaac instead of God so God had to test him so he went to Abraham and he said Abraham I want you to sacrifice your son isaac for me and we go like well that's barbaric god what are you doing uh, well back in that day people taught that gods liked when you sacrificed people to them especially like the god of Moloch he just loved they say he wasn't a real god but uh, children being sacrificed and that was very common so it wasn't that out of the ordinary something that god of course didn't follow through with but uh, we'll talk about that in a moment so abraham Took Isaac, and it's a wonderful story. I don't have time to go through it now, but he basically took Isaac and, and put him on the altar. And he, he had the knife up, and he was about to bring it down on Isaac. And now we'll look at Genesis 22, and God showed up. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. It was a test. God wanted to see if he was first in Abraham's life or whether Isaac was first. Now here's a question for us, and this is where we struggle with lordship. What is first In our lives, maybe for some women, their children are first in their lives. They live for their kids. Their life is not centered around God. It's centered around their children, taking care of them and loving them and providing for their needs, maybe living vicariously through them. Again, it seems okay to do that right, but it's only the motives of the heart that truly tell you whether you're worshiping your children or not. You can do all those things and not be worshiping your children. But if your dependence and satisfaction depend upon your kids, you're worshiping them. And what you need to metaphorically do is lay your kids on the altar and say, God, I've been worshiping my kids. That's really where all my passion and energy and resources have been going to, and I haven't been worshiping you. So, Lord, I, I give you my kids, and you probably have a plan for the, their lives. Every mom has a plan for their children's lives, right? <laughs> uh, and you give that plan to God and say, God, whatever you want to do with my kids. I'm sending them to be a missionary, you do that. Whatever. I, I just put it all in your hands. Now, that's, that's a lordship decision. A common one with the guys, of course, is their careers. And again, that can be seen as a positive thing. Oh, he's providing for his family and those type of things. But it can become a God very easily. You want prestige in your job, success, and you want money and whatever your motive might be. And so you make that the focus. Well, again, that's not lordship. That's something you need to lay on the altar and say, God, it's yours. Whatever you want my work i'm working for you so if you want to take this job away scary thought or something let's do it because i'm worshiping you so that's a key issue with lordship we've got to put him first in our lives another part of lordship we need to look at is the motivation for lordship and that's the mercy of god why should we make jesus christ lord of our lives Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So, why should I give control of my life over to Jesus Christ? I see all the people that I work with. I see my neighbors. They're in control of their lives. They're calling the shots. They're fulfilling their dreams and desires and their plans why should i give this all over to jesus christ and make him lord of my life well let's think about that for a moment before you became a believer you were a sinner you weren't a sinner you were a slave to sin you couldn't do anything but sin you had no control over it on top of that you were condemned to die Spiritually a Christless eternity. And on top of that, you were lost. You were continually pursuing different things, trying to fulfill this deep desire within you for satisfaction and nothing ever worked. And then when your life hit the wall, you had no place to go to. You were 40, 50, 60, still trying to figure out what is life all about before you became a believer. Now, once Jesus Christ came into your life, everything changed. Number one, you now have a relationship with the Creator of the universe when before you were in enmity with Him. Now, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, you understand life for the first reason, first time. You understand why you're here, what you're supposed to do, why bad things happen in life, why all those answers come your way, all the whys, not all the answers. Sometimes we can't quite understand, but he fills a lot of the blanks in, I'll tell you that. And on top of that, you have the privilege, the joy. Of walking with Jesus Christ every day of praying to him of sharing him about every minute issue in your life that he cares about of listening to him experiencing his energy experiencing his love experiencing his comfort as you go through difficult times always being able to lean and depend upon him the Holy Spirit speaking through his word that's another thing you have is a Bible You have a guidebook for life. You go over to Barnes & Noble's. You go over to Algonquin Library or Huntley. Thousands of books. Thousands of books. Books upon books upon books. This is the only book you really need. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I can go to this book for whatever I need. I need to make this book the center of my reading and what I bring into my mind because it's the book from God. And then on top of that, you've got Christ followers surrounding you. You've got people who care about you. People who support you and encourage you. People who challenge you. Just uh, at 1030 after the service, Jim and Kathy Conway came up to me. They're snowbirds and Springbrook when they're here. They shared with me that their 49-year-old son had committed suicide this past Friday. We sat and talked and prayed together. And they said, I could share this with you. And I was thinking to myself, where would they be without Jesus? Her son was a Christ follower. He was despairing over three years of unemployment. And uh, they were part of a church. Strong relationships. His wife is a strong Christian. They're surrounded by Christ followers. Jim and Kathy are surrounded by Christ followers. Yeah, it's going to be terrible to go through. But where would they be without Jesus? Where would they be? do I have to say anything more? Do I really have to say anything more about what the motive is to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? I don't think so. Psalm 12. How can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? Please pray for Jim and Kathy and Karen, uh, the widow, three boys, 2017 and 13. Please pray for them today. Let's pray right now. Lord, I pray that you'd be with Jim and Kathy and Karen and John and Daniel and Brian Incredible loss they've gone through. Thank you that they have Jesus. They have you. Thanks, Lord, when we hit the wall that we have you and we have your family surrounding us. Christ's name. All right. I'm we'll to move on here. What's the reason for this Lordship decision? Our spiritual act of worship. Our spiritual act of worship. Let's go back to Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. There's different translations of this verse, and probably a better translation of the Greek would be this is your reasonable act of worship. And the root word of reasonable is logical. Again, just like we said, it just makes sense that you would do this for God because he's done so much for you. This is your reasonable act of worship. This is how you should live your life. John 12, 24 through 25. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's what happens when you make a lordship decision. When you give everything to God, that's when life really begins. But it goes on, verse 25, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So the challenge many times is that there are some believers who make the salvation decision, but they never make the lordship decision. And they waste this life. But the person who makes the lordship decision and dies to his own desires, to his own dreams, and gives everything to God—that's a person who experiences true life. And I just want to exhort those of you who have not met yet yet made the lordship decision. You're playing around with God. You're a part-time Christian. You're a chameleon. When you're here at church, you know the lingo, you know what to say, but your heart's not there. When you go to work, you change colors, and there you're somebody else altogether. Is that working for you? That's never going to be the kind of spiritual life that God promises. That's People ask, you know, Why is my spiritual life not working? Well, it's because you haven't declared Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You haven't let Jesus Christ take over your life. You haven't let Jesus Christ empower you to do the supernatural things you can only do through him. That's the problem. Catch a clue. Stop using Jesus Christ as a genie. And you pull out when you need them. You rub the lap and say, oh, I really need help in this area. And then when everything else settles down, you put them back. That is not a Lordship life. The problem, I think, with many believers is they have a skewed understanding of who God is. They think, well, if I give God my life, let's say you're single, God's going to make me marry an ugly person. <laughs> I mean, serious. This is serious, okay? People think that. You know, God's going to make, send me to Africa, or or God's going to give me a job I hate. You think that God has it out for you? Well, look at this verse in Psalms For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. If you have a lordship orientation, it doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means you're seeking after God, and He's going to continue to bless your life. He's going to take care of you. Satan's lie is, oh, don't don't give everything over to God. That's a bum deal. Follow my lead. I've got got the world for you. He's trying to bring you down. God has the incredible plan for your life. You know, making the Lordship decision Chip Ingram talks a lot about this. It's like giving a blank check to God. I was up in Milwaukee many years ago, and I lost my checkbook. All of a sudden, I got my statement on all these strange charges, and somebody had stole my checkbook. I would never give my checkbook to somebody. No. And all of us would be very careful about signing a check, blank check, and giving it to anybody, really, <laughs> unless you really trusted Him, right? Yeah, but that's what you want to do with God. You want to give Him a blank check, and you sign it. You give Him the authority over everything in your life. That is Lordship. Are you there? Another illustration Chip uses is that card game, Texas Hold'em. Maybe you've played it, seen it on TV, whole ideas card game. And finally, when a person feels they have the right cards to beat everybody else, they, they push all the chips to the middle of the table. What do they say? All in. I'm all in. I put it all on the line. I, I could win the table or I could lose everything. And that's what God is asking us to do. God is saying, I want you all in. I want all of you, all of your body committed to me And the great thing about being all in with God is there's no risk involved. In Texas them, there's a lot of risk involved. But there's no risk involved with being all in with God because you've got a guarantee in God's Word that He is going to come through for you. Not that you're going to have the perfect life. Not that you're going to have a pain-free life. That's not true, as I just illustrated. It does mean that He's going to be there for you. You're going to experience life to the greatest degree you can in this sinful world, by walking with God. Friends, I want you to think and pray as we go throughout this series. Have you made the Lordship decision? Are you all in? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the time you've given us to talk about these important issues. Even as I talk through them, I realize I'm so far being what you want me to be. But there is one thing, Lord, is that you are my Lord. And every day I wake up and I seek to do your will through your power. You are my Lord. I'm all in, Lord. And I pray the same thing for my friends here. They've made that decision in the past. I pray they renew it on a daily basis. For those who this is new to, I pray you'd work in their hearts and that they would make this decision sometime during this series. In Christ's name, uh, We've got our ushers come forward at this time. I want to thank you so much. For-